0: Thanks so much for joining me for this week's episode of When I Grew Up, and Happy New Year. Um, today, my uh, guest, his name is Phil Choi, and he is joining me um, from his home. I don't know what I'm trying to say other than, <laughs> other than thanks for being <laughs> here, Phil, and giving me your time.
1: Hey, Blair. No, I'm very excited to be here. I'm honored that you asked me, and uh, I'm I'm excited to, to share my story a little bit to perhaps reach I guess your target audience that we were just talking about—it's—it's uh, it's exciting.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, first of all, the honor truly is all mine, um, and I am excited to hear kind of—I—I I know kind of like surface things about you, mm-hmm. but. I'm excited to hear more of your story. And um, even just right before we started recording, you kind of told me like you lived in Costa Rica for a little bit. I'm like interested to know what that's about. Um, (laughs) So, uh, without further ado, we can get started. Phil, what is it that you do?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So, what I do on the corporate side is I am a senior strategy consultant and transformation manager for Papa John's International.
0: Okay. I don't know what you just said. You can, you're, okay, you're a senior
1: strategy consultant. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, And exactly what that is, I guess, in layman's term, as a senior strategy consultant, I formulate the business long-term strategic plan, which typically means three to five years out uh, into the future.
0: Oh, wow. Uh, We
1: analyze and align the industry's emerging uh, trends and study what those trends are and formulate that into our business plans. And I guess in a very succinct way, we ensure that our stock prices continue to go up instead of down. And the easiest way to explain it is we try to beat our competitors. We try to win. Uh, And the best way to explain what I do really at Papa John's is as a strategy manager, as a strategy consultant, is ensure that our business is set up for success.
0: Okay. So my first question is, I mean, it makes sense that any company would have something, somebody like this, right? Like a strategist Mm -hmm. for their business. Is that correct?
1: I would say most companies, yes. Uh, You'd be surprised how many companies don't. Papa John's and its 40-year history, it's a publicly traded company, uh, has not had a strategy or transformation office in the past. So um, again, it's a publicly traded company. We report all our numbers uh, to, obviously, the New York Stock Exchange and uh, to Wall Street. But in the past, they have operated almost like an uh, entrepreneur company. Um, one person, his voice, the former CEO, Josh Stantner, mm-hmm. it was his way or the highway. Now we're finally transforming. We're really uh, emerging into a company that is trying to formulate business models business thoughts and really trying to strategize for the future
0: I see. Um, again in
1: the past it's been really his way um now under new leadership we're really trying to kind of emerge into into modern uh, technology uh, into uh easier business model so on and so forth
0: I see okay so Phil I'm so sorry my personality I'm really an extroverted thinker so I have mm-hmm. to like kind of process out loud
1: so pardon no, in
0: I'm so sorry. So I'm just trying to grasp everything you said. Um, The first thing is like, you know, you said that um, under the old leadership, he kind of did his own thing. Does that mean he didn't really have like a consulting team? Is that what you're trying to explain to me?
1: Yeah. So previously, the headquarters was in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh And obviously, I've never met this man face to face. I've Mm -hmm. met our new CEO, Rob Lynch, a few times. Uh Uh, But the stories I've heard about our former CEO was he would have input but ultimately, he would make the decision. I see. Okay. And okay. He wouldn't necessarily take everyone's advice or everyone's uh, input to heart because he already had his uh, minds made up on whatever decision it is that he wanted to make.
0: Even if it maybe was not good for the company in the long run.
1: Correct. Right.
0: Okay. And um, oh, sorry.
1: Go ahead. Long story short, that's why he's not
0: CEO anymore. I, got it. <laughs> um, but. um, you mentioned that Papa John's is a publicly traded company.
1: Correct. Okay. Meaning that they trade in the, uh, in the New York stock exchange.
0: Okay. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry. Mm-hmm. I, I don't judge me. I'm not ignorant, but I just wanted to be clear on what, what all of that meant. Um, So as a senior strategist, you mentioned that you uh, plan for like three, four years in advance, right, in order to make sure that your company is ahead of other competitive companies. So as a senior strategist, what does your day-to-day look like then?
1: Yeah, I think that's a tremendous question, Blair. Um, And I'm sure you hear this all the time, but no two days are the same for me at Papa John's. Every day is very, very different. Mm. Uh, To answer part of your question first, um, as a senior strategist, Really, we look at uh, current events, current marketplace, what's going on in the market, uh, commodity prices, things like that. We v- study very, very heavily everything that's going on in the QSR industry. QSR stands for quick service uh, restaurants. Okay. We study everything that's going on with labor strategy. So right now, uh, you might notice that a lot of the stores that we go to, Target, Walmart, Kroger, Publix, wherever they may be, they're very short staffed, mm-hmm. um, And that's very true for the restaurant industry as well. Um, and then we also study MA potential possibilities. MA stands for mergers and acquisitions. Um, all that to say, and I'm trying to keep your target market and a target audience in mind. What we really try and do is we try and study everything that's going on in the world, current events wise, so that we don't get left behind. Essentially, mm-hmm. we don't want to become a blockbuster where we were so late to the game and yes. we didn't continue to uh, evolve My, with
0: our listeners probably don't even know what blockbuster is.
1: oh geez okay <laughs> um i guess a better analogy would be we want to be like amazon amazon continues to innovate apple continues to innovate sure, we want to yeah. be like microsoft apple um like these cool companies that are out there like netflix we don't want to be some of these companies that you might like your audience they're probably questioning what the heck is blockbuster like what, what happened <laughs> to them so We want to make sure when your audience's kids are alive, that they're still ordering Papa John's and they think of Papa John's as like, oh, that's pizza. Cool. I want to order pizza too.
0: Interesting. Okay. So now I'm like kind of excited here because it's like, how is Papa John's going to be innovative? Like, are you allowed to share maybe some examples of... What the future of pizza could look like?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's actually a great, great question. I'm actually glad you asked this, and I had to get uh, approval from my boss and uh, our legal department to share what what uh, I can share and what I can't share. You what I can't did? share just because uh, there's a lot of NDA type stuff. NDA means
0: uh, non-disclosure like, agreements. Yeah, yes. exactly.
1: Yeah. So there's a lot of things that it's it's so secret, it's so proprietary. Uh, only my team and a certain few others. No, perhaps it's uh, our executive team, our C-suites, or it might be our board of directors. There are a lot of projects that I work on where uh, not all the board members know, only Uh a certain person knows, Uh or it might be projects that only a certain part of our C-suites know. It, It really just depends on the project. What I can share with you, however, is there's a lot of different projects that are currently ongoing for several years now, where we're looking to market perhaps drone technology, as a delivery method, we're looking at easier automatic payments uh, just to make the uh, consumer experience a little bit easier. Perhaps we're looking at uh, artificial intelligence, where if you're thinking that you're hungry and you've always ordered pizza on a Friday and you always order two large pepperonis and two large uh, the works, that we just automatically order it for you. And if you don't want it that day, we'll come back and pick it up. We're also looking at machines (laughs) to make pizza. We're looking at a myriad of other ways to be just creative and innovative. And I'll I'll share that.
0: I saw on your Instagram, you were like the vending machine pizza thing. Mm -hmm. Yep. So
1: I share a lot of my Instagram. and It's kind of funny because all my friends will like joke. I never watch your Instagram stories. They're always too long. It's always about the news. And it's funny, though, because obviously some people do watch it. And I'll I'll get random comments. Thank you. Yep. (laughs) Thank you. Um, I'll get random comments by a lot of my friends like, hey, what you posted the other day? That was awesome. Can you tell me more about it? So Blair, what you're talking about, yeah. Um, Vending machine pizzas are actually already out there in Europe and internationally. It's not a taboo topic. I think here in the United States, we think of vending machine pizzas and it's kind of like, that sounds weird. But it's just different cultures, uh, different Uh, different countries embrace different technologies or they embrace different uh, foods a little bit differently. Uh, They're already out there in Europe. They're already in Canada. It's just the United States hasn't embraced it yet just because we have such an abundance of food options here. I mean, Mm -hmm. I look uh, around my house and I have so many different food options here where I can just simply go to the grocery store or a restaurant. Uh, Whereas in other remote areas, especially Africa and Europe, they might only have certain uh, top, certain types of foods that are available to them. And Mm -hmm. if they want pizza, they have to go a long way away. That's why vending machines are so popular there. Here in the United States, we're simply test marketing how popular they would be. And we're Mm -hmm. thinking hospitals or college campuses, high traffic foot areas where they don't have time to sit down and go to a restaurant to eat. They need something quick. Uh, These machines are pretty incredible. I mean, they taste pretty good. So obviously they're all in Silicon Valley where all the, uh, the very smart tech graduates end up Um, this one in particular was by the guy who started uh, Miso Robotics. Miso Robotics is the one that um, started uh, a thing called Flippy and it was embraced by several restaurants already. It essentially makes burgers for you without needing a human to do it. These Mm. robots make it. So it reduces labor. It improves efficiency. Um, That guy left to start this one And it's got the backing of a lot of private equity firms and venture capitalists. So we're pretty excited. We're trying to uh, see what we can do with them as an exclusive partner. But obviously, the Domino's and the Little Caesars, they're all pretty excited about this, too. So it's kind of like a bidding war. It's kind of like the coolest kid on the block. And everyone wants to be friends with that person. And we're trying to be that cool friend for this one company.
0: So like, the company will choose eventually?
1: Yeah, I mean... Uh, Because they're private equity backed, essentially, uh, they have a lot of funding from this big company. Uh The end game, the end strategy for them is to get acquired by someone else. So that's part of my job where mergers and acquisitions comes into play. Uh, The question for us is how quickly can we scale this and how quickly can they scale all these different machines to the point where we can mass produce these all over, let's say, Atlanta or Dallas or Los Angeles. Um, That's a question that we have to come to figure out. Um, And obviously, marketing has to come involved and the HR team has to come involved because there's a labor component to this. And then the government has to come in Mm -hmm. because we don't want to be that company that puts a bunch of people, working class Americans out of work. So that's where strategy really comes to play. It's a lot of little puzzles to the piece Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, that we're trying to figure out. But we're also trying to do it in a methodical way, in which uh, we're not hurting the economy, we're not hurting the environment, and that's really where the vision statements of uh, sustainability comes into play. Things like that.
0: That's insane, man. I mean, <laughs> I Phil, I really appreciate you even like taking the time to like uh, talk to your company about what you can and cannot share. It means a lot to me. Um, and the drone thing, wait, so like for real though. Like I'm like so behind. Like I like I'm sure if you told David all this, which maybe you guys already talked about it, he'd be like, "Yeah, like that's of course. Like of course it's gonna be drones delivery." But for me, I'm like, "That's crazy." Like, but no,
1: Blair, I'm I'm kind of like you. I'm I'm a laggard when it comes to like technology and stuff right. like that. Like I still have the iPhone 11. I look around, and all my friends have the iPhone 13, and they're like, "Yo, check this out with the camera views and stuff right. like that." <laughs> I'm still old school. Where like all I need my phone to do is. Can I call people? Can I text people? And can I search something on the internet?
0: Me too. So me too. Yeah.
1: I'm, I'm very simplistic in that regard. Uh, but yeah, drone technology. And again, this is one of the topics I can't go too much into detail about uh-huh. because it's still under like FAA approval okay. status and whatnot. What I can tell you is Domino's is testing something and they're testing more something more so with uh, ground deliveries, a okay. uh, robotic. Um, and then Little Caesars came out with hot lockers. Essentially, keeps your pizza really hot until you pick it up and you punch in this code that they text you. Um, What we decided to do, and this is before I joined the company, was, well, Domino's already has the ground game. Uh, Little Caesars has, I guess, the home base, if you will. And this is kind of like military strategy. Our thing was, well, let's take the air. And our thinking was, um, it's very difficult to get approval and funding and everything else to go perfectly for ground deliveries through automation. Um, UPS is trying this, Amazon is trying this, so many Apple's kind of trying this also. For us, there's less regulation when it comes to the air FAA regulations, mm-hmm. federal air. I don't even know what they stand for, to be honest with you. Um, and the team that we partnered with, they were government contractors uh, that worked with the military and they had a lot of connections with um, the FAA already. So we were able to really partner with them and kind of bypass, uh, a lot of the more stringent processes of mm-hmm. getting things approved. Um, now don't get me wrong. I don't want to mislead your, your audience. We have a long way to
0: go. I mean, right. okay,
1: we're not going to be seeing something like the Jetsons and your audience probably doesn't even remember what the Jetsons no, we're not going to see <laughs> drones flying all over the world or right. all over the streets and like, the next two years it's going to take some time there's a lot of things that we need to figure out Thank in terms goodness. of weight distribution I'm not ready for
0: that I'm not ready for- <laughs> oh yeah
1: I'm not either I-, I just don't want to see these drones flying around and like what if something happens to our network and like they all start dropping and you know our kids are like playing outside or something like that right that yeah. stuff kind of scares me yeah so.
0: um you know this is so random but my Have you heard of Paw Patrol? It's like a kids show. Like, they have an episode where they're doing uh, drone food deliveries. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this is so weird. Like, why would they show this? (laughs) But then, like, and then they have a malfunction in the drones, and the Paw Patrol has to come help them. Right.
1: Yeah. I've actually seen that episode. You have. (laughs) It's so funny. Yeah. Oh my God. I have a nephew and niece, and I end up watching just the most random show sometimes
0: Right, and sometimes
1: i'm not even with them i just so again it goes into strategy i want to learn i want to be intellectually curious Mm. of what like others are curious about or what they're interested in so that's part of my job as being in strategy trying to learn things that other people are interested in or curious about so when it comes to my nephews and nieces i can't tell you how many times i've watched random uh coco melon episodes or things like that (laughs) just so like in case they ever ask me I can be like, oh, I like that character or, hey, I like that person. So, so
0: you you are kind of wired that way then. Like you like learning and then being able to like apply what you've learned. I guess that's a normal <laughs> thing, but it's not normal.
1: I, I don't like learning school materials. I don't like learning things that like are mandated. So school, uh, <laughs> everything's kind of like. Uh, through the syllabus, like sure. you have to learn X, Y, and Z, chapter seven, eight, and nine, or whatever right. it may be. Right. But what my friends are interested in, and if it's a topic that I'm not very familiar with, I honestly, I'll go home and, or maybe even at like a red light. And I don't recommend this to anyone to do this because we shouldn't be texting and driving. But if someone says something that I don't know anything about, I'll make a mental note or I'll type something on my phone and I'll be at home kind of reading about things. Like Nicole will tell you um the way I think is Uh differently and sometimes like my friends will say that and I take it like man that makes me sound weird but they're like no 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 it's not a weird thing it's like you're just you just think differently um I think it's from my time in the military we just had to learn to think outside the box a lot to problem solve or I think it was because we were always um challenged to do things a little bit differently Uh um so when it comes to different subject matters or things that uh, my friends are interested in, I'm always willing to learn or willing to try it. Like skiing with David and KJ and, uh-huh. and Josh and, and Sam and, and Peter. Like I've never been skiing or snowboarding before, but I was curious to try it yeah. and it was on my bucket list. I was like, as soon as I got that text message, I was like, yeah, let's go. I'm down.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I didn't, I didn't, I've never done it. And, you know, thankfully they were all so nice to do it, but I kind of figured out. I'm not gonna lie. I I didn't realize I was on the bunny slopes for so long, but I kept like listening in on the lessons that uh, the instructors were giving to like the little <laughs> kids.
0: <laughs> That's awesome, man.
1: <laughs> so like the instructors were like, "Hey, don't forget the pizza." Oh, yes, so the ironic pizza. that we about Papa right. John's. But I was like, okay, let me try that next. And then they're like, hey, use the blades of the sides of your skis. And I was like, okay. But I felt really cheap. So I didn't realize. They were uh, supposed to pay for those uh, for those no, uh, man, tutors that's or the trainers. So
0: smart. That's so wise.
1: <laughs> so I was like, okay, let me try that next. But it goes all back to like just being curious and being just like interested in and stuff like that. So
0: yeah, yeah, yeah for sure, man, man. I I love all of that. I mean, Nicole. Uh, for those of you that don't know, Nicole is my friend and Phil's girlfriend. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but. What I was gonna say is, I think I've heard bits and pieces of what Nicole tells me, what even David told me through your time um, on the trip together. Um, yeah, you it's, you seem like a a thinker that thinks a little differently, and I I kept telling David and Nicole, like, man, we need more guys like him because, <laughs> like, for real. But then it makes sense too, like the whole strategy thing, like thinking for the future. Doing, finding the best and efficient way possible mm-hmm. to make things mm-hmm. work um, makes complete sense. And I want to go back to, like, even your time in the military. But before we jump into that part of your life, so um, how uh, – can you take me back to, like, high school, like maybe your senior year? Um, yeah. I don't know. Like, you know, after high school, you kind of have to start deciding what you're going to do with your future. Uh, what did that mm-hmm. look like for you?
1: Yeah, so I grew up um, – in Alpharetta, Georgia, I went to Centennial High School. Um, we didn't have class rankings, or maybe I was so like average that like, my class ranking didn't matter, but I was all I was in all AP honors and uh, like high level courses. And up until my junior year, my parents were pushing me to go to you know your Harvard's and your Duke's, Duke is where my dad went. Mm-hmm. Uh, so very much so probably like your youth group students uh, if they're first generation Koreans. Americans, uh, to go to the best Ivy League school, if possible. Um, unfortunately, I didn't have the grades to do that. So I ended up going on a ROTC scholarship, and I knew that was the, the path that I was going to make. And it was also a promise I made to my mom uh, after 9-11. And again, I'm trying to keep your audience in mind. Maybe some of your youth group students are too young to even know what uh, September 11th meant for our country and for me personally. But uh, if we're thinking about your, your more college- Uh, graduate students perhaps Uh, maybe they they're old enough to know what 9-11 was but I
0: mean in high school they're I'm sure they're learning about 9-11 in their history books now yeah
1: yeah so during 9-11 I was in seventh grade uh, in advanced math and I just remember do you remember back in middle school when you and I were like in middle school not when electronics was a big thing when we had a substitute teacher and then we we had had to to, walk
0: And we were, the TVs were on that day. Yeah, exactly.
1: So we had a substitute teacher and um, she was taking attendance and then everyone wanted to get out of class. So we raised our hands and we had to walk the attendance slip to the front office. Mm -hmm. So I got selected and I just remember no one was paying attention to me. And I was like, what is going on? Mm -hmm. And they were all crying. Oh my gosh, I'm getting goosebumps right now. Me too. Um, And it it was just this eerie feeling because, you know, I knew something was wrong just based on their reaction and their lack of attention to all the students who were there trying to turn in their uh, attendance slips. And again, for the students who uh, don't know what an attendance slip is, we didn't have electronics (laughs) back then. So we had to write (laughs) everything with pen and paper. But uh, finally, someone paid attention to me and then we just heard the scream and we saw that second plane hit that tower.
0: Yeah, oh my gosh.
1: um, yeah, I'm getting goosebumps too, Blair. <laughs> um, and that's kind of when I knew something was wrong.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, a little bit more background story. Uh, both my grandparents were in the military. My grandfather on my dad's side served in the U.S. Army. Um, he was an officer. Your
0: grandfather on your dad's side.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: So and the then, U.S. military.
1: Correct. And then my grandfather on my mom's side was an admiral in the Korean Navy. So <gasps> both, both high-ranking so military officers. Oh, wow. Maybe we're related because you're from California, too.
0: <laughs> that's crazy. Well, well, I mean, did your grandparents immigrate to California?
1: My American, oh, sorry, my dad's grandpa immigrated to Georgia after the Korean War. My mom's oh, okay. side of the family all stayed in Korea. But he was really high-ranking. And I think that's where I got my passion to want to serve in the military. I see. Someone had to carry on that
0: tradition. I see, I see. I because, knew my so, uncle. You know, uh-huh.
1: Yeah, I just knew like my uncle and my dad didn't do it and my cousins weren't going to do it. And to me, it was just something really cool. Um, And yeah, I, I kind of wanted to do it, too.
0: Oh, my gosh. I wonder if our grandparents know each other.
1: I, I'm kind of curious about that, too. So unfortunately, um, they're, they're not here anymore. But I'm yeah. sure I can ask them because, I mean, how many admirals were there in the Korean Navy, right?
0: That's insane. I'm so like in shock right now because there's no I'm pretty sure they've got to know each other. But anyways, <laughs> sorry. Sorry, guys. But OK. Side sidebar. But um, so. After. So during 9-11, all, you went to turn in the attendance slips and you wanted mm-hmm. to give me the history of your grandparents and how far the history goes. But going back to 9-11, what mm-hmm. did that mean for you?
1: Yeah, so growing up, I kind of had an identity crisis. I knew I was Korean. I knew I was American. All my friends played baseball and football. I played baseball and football. Um, When we got attacked on 9-11, I just knew that uh, U.S. was also home for me. So I'm very proud to be a Korean American. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I made a promise to my mom as we were watching the news clips over and over and over that day that I would serve in the U.S. military also. And looking back at it, now that a lot of our friends have uh, kids, uh, what's that thing when one year old Korean babies have to choose, like, like they choose money or they choose a book your or they toy. choose whatever? Told. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom told me that's funny because, turn your toe, you, you chose, like, the, I chose something military. I, I don't know oh, what the exact item interesting. was.
0: Interesting. Yeah. So
1: my mom kind of shared that story with me. I, I made her a promise that day that, um, I would serve in our military. And going back to your original question, back to high school, senior year of high school, I was getting accepted to different colleges, but I knew I wanted to join the military at some point by way of ROTC. Mm -hmm. So I knew I wanted to accept the ROTC scholarship. I got a few scholarships here and there. Uh, Ultimately, I got the one that I wanted, which was a former military college. And as you probably know, Blair, I'm very passionate, um, very loud Clemson fan. So that's kind of where I ended up in college. It's all right.
0: it, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Go I dogs. also want to give a
1: quick shout out to all you Georgia fans and congratulations. Good luck on January. Thanks, man. 10. But
0: you know, let's, You know, I'm just I'm just trying not to think about too much. But it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but okay. So you got a you got your scholarship to Clemson. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So you when you, so okay. Actually, I have a question about that an ROTC scholarship um, what does that require of you once you enter college
1: yeah so it requires a specific uh, physical expectation is the right term Um, you are mandated and required to pass certain physical tests Mm -hmm. you are required to pass and maintain a certain uh, level of courses. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, you have to take a lot of military courses. Uh, So at Clemson, my freshman year, I had to take a lot of business courses. Uh, And then my sophomore, junior years, I had to take a lot of uh, military leadership courses also.
0: Oh, wow. What was your majoring at school?
1: Yeah, so I actually went to Clemson undecided. I ended up um, majoring in health science with a concentration in Uh, health service administration. This is before Obamacare and all that stuff. So I thought I wanted to work in healthcare. Um, And then obviously Obamacare made things a little bit more complicated in terms of health insurance and whatnot. Um, So obviously I don't do anything in health insurance or health uh, administration right now, but yeah, my minors were in business leadership and military leadership.
0: Cool. Man, you're just full of surprises, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> I like this because I've been meaning to get to know you better just because, you know, you're Nicole's boyfriend. And so I am so excited to like hear all these new things. But OK, all that to say, um, you graduate from Clemson and then I'm assuming with your ROTC um, obligations or commitment, if you want to call it, um, what does that mean after you graduate?
1: Yeah, uh, great, great question. And I'll try and answer it very simply. After you commission into the United States Army by way of ROTC, you have an eight-year obligation. You have to give eight years back for all the money that they spent on my education. So I went to Clemson for free, essentially, uh, but I had to pay eight years of my life back. So the route I took was four years of active duty and four years of reserve time.
0: Oh, okay. So you kind of split it up.
1: Correct, and that's the way most people do it, I see. unless they truly, truly love the the military. And some people will do all eight years in the in the active force.
0: Yeah, that does, that does seem like uh, overwhelming for me, like just eight mm-hmm. years of active duty. But um, okay, so uh, you graduate, and then like what happens? What what's the process? What happens?
1: Yep. So we have to go through our own form of basic training. Um, and mind you, Blair, I was not this huge chiseled kid that I am now. Mm-hmm. And I'm obviously kidding because <laughs> obviously it's a podcast no, no, no one can see us. <laughs> um, but uh, when I was a freshman in college, I was very small, very skinny, very scrawny. But because of ROTC, because of high school football, it made me mentally tough. And finally, I started hitting the gym. Um, all that to share... I went through our version of basic training, and that's really when I got, I guess, serious about my fitness. I uh, started running better, started running harder, and then started hitting the weight gym a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, so I ended up at Fort Jackson, South Carolina, where I did my BOLIC, which stands for Basic Officer Leisure Course. And then from there, I went to my first duty station, and then that really led me to all around the world uh, to include Fort Meade. Uh, Fort Lewis, uh, where else, Fort, Fort McCoy, uh, uh, just just everywhere, Fort Bragg. I, I've been to way too many places mm. uh, with one overseas deployment to Afghanistan um, in support of Operation Freedom Sentinel where I was stationed in Bagram, Afghanistan.
0: Um. Well, thank you for your service, Phil. Truly. <laughs> I, <laughs> I appreciate like, that. I have a soft heart for people in the military. But, um, uh, I guess what I am really curious about is I think I have like. I don't actually know what it means to be in the army. I mm-hmm. think I like have a picture of it or image of what I think it should look like, or even what the television tells me it should look like. Um, but you know, after you're you complete your training, which by the way, after if you're an ROTC, like, do you graduate with an, any sort of like ranking at all?
1: Yeah, so we graduate as uh, officers, so second lieutenants. Okay, uh, gold bars essentially.
0: I don't, I don't know what that means. Can you tell me what that means?
1: <laughs> oh yeah, sorry. It's second lieutenant. Um, the rank is two gold bars.
0: Uh huh. Uh-huh. So and then what's, the, what's the what's the what's yep, the order?
1: so it goes from second lieutenant uh-huh. to first lieutenant uh-huh. to captain, which is what I got out of. Um And then the trajectory to get from second lieutenant to first lieutenant is probably about two years. Mm-hmm. Uh, First lieutenant to captain is about another two years. Mm-hmm. And then uh, maybe three years, three to four years, depending on each one, depending on how good you are, I suppose. Uh, From captain, you become a major. But to get from captain to major takes a long, long time. I see. And then from there, you become a colonel.
0: I see. Oh, wow. Cool. Mm-hmm. You became a captain?
1: Yeah. Yeah, but every all my peers were captains also. Like if they graduated 2012, uh-huh. I want to say a majority of them became captains I also. See, so it's I not see. like anything special.
0: <laughs> it is to me, but okay, yes, I believe you. I believe you. <laughs> but um okay. So all that to say, like what does it look like to be in the army? I don't I know that's like a really general question. I don't know how else to ask it.
1: Yeah, so uh for me, it really depended on my duty station okay. and what my jobs, roles, and responsibilities were. But on a typical day, you wake up at 0530 um, to use military time, which, of course, in civilian time, is also 530. Um, You wake up, you do PT, physical training, which, uh, depending on the group that you're with or depending on the unit you're with, uh, it just varies. So if you're in an airborne unit, you do a lot of running. If you're in just a regular stateside mobilization or deployment, it might mean more weight training. Um, when we we're in Afghanistan, it meant a lot of running because that's all we could do. Mm. Uh, long story short, you wake up at 530, you work out, you run, uh, you have a little bit of downtime to shower, personal hygiene, things like that. My first meeting was typically at about 0730. Uh, because I was an officer, I was always in commander's update briefings, Cubs, mm. or battalion update briefings, or depending on the unit again, uh, brigade update briefings which would typically give us some sort of scenario planning or some sort of, I guess, agenda for the day. Uh, Blair, you're doing this. David, you're doing X, Y, and Z. Philip Choi, you're doing one, two, three, four, and five. So we got our tasks or to-do list, if you will. And then from there, it was just a lot of meetings. Mm -hmm. Uh, I always try to be an officer that looked out after my soldiers. And I know that sounds kind of cliche, but I would always go around after my meetings just to see how my soldiers were doing. Hey, how's the family? Did you watch the game last night? Like, yo, what would you think of Kobe or what would you think of LeBron or whatever? Just shoot the crap with the, uh, with the soldiers. Um, mm-hmm. Just have fun with them. Let them know that you're human also. There's a divide between officers and enlisted soldiers where um, typically officers only hang out with officers.
0: Mm -hmm. And enlisted
1: only hang out with enlisted. Mm -hmm. I try to never be that way. I want to be with my soldiers, regardless of rank. Mm -hmm. Obviously, the respect factor is always there. But to always be accessible to them, have an open door policy, um, it's incredible how many uh, personal issues some of these soldiers are going through. Mm -hmm. And they just don't open up. But long story short, uh, that was what my typical day looked like. Uh, After all my meetings, let's say it's... 16, 17, 1800, I'd wind down, we'd all go to MWR, uh, that's Morale, Welfare, and Recreation, watch a movie. Uh, A lot of them played video games. Uh, Me and my buddies, we would go play basketball, play volleyball, just hang out, Um, just wind down a little bit. Mm -hmm. There were times when sometimes every two weeks where we would have to provide night guard or fire shift or something like that, and that just means uh, we have to stay up later than everyone else and just take turns, making sure like the bad guys or the enemies don't come creeping up and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Just stuff like that. Um, That was like a typical day, but no day in the military is the same either. Uh, mm. It's as structured as the military is every day was very different. And there's always some sort of fire drill. Mm.
0: So, you know, your commitment to uh, joining the military um, and, you know, just what we experienced during 9-11, all those things, um, did you enjoy it?
1: Yeah. I look back and, like, I'm trying to be very careful because I know Nicole will listen to this. I miss the guys in my unit a lot. I still talk to them, text them every day. Um, I still get messages from them uh, almost every day also. I miss the camaraderie that the... The military brings. I was mm-hmm. very close to my unit. I was very close to my soldiers. We mm-hmm. still talk almost every day. Wow. I miss that kind of bond all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not saying I don't have it now. I, I have plenty of friends here that I see <laughs> probably too much. But um, I, I do miss serving. And there's a part of me that I want to give back. I want to continue to serve. Um, my last assignment was to study the South China Sea. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is obviously a big political, geopolitical issue right now, uh, but I, I don't want to get too much into that, that I think I can still give back to the Army if they needed my services. Uh, but I will say that I had aspirations in life that I um, I really want to hit, perhaps have a family. Uh, i missed far too many weddings, baby showers, and birthdays when I was in the military. Mm-hmm. So that was the main reason that I got out. And I want to uh, really advance in my civilian career. Um, so that's very, very important to me. Uh, so that's the reason I got out. But there is like kind of something missing in, in my heart where I want to give back. I want to continue to serve. Uh, whether my body will allow me to, I don't know. I, in my head, I think I can still do it. And that's why on my Instagram, where sometimes you'll see me do these like really random, like David Goggins type challenges and stuff like that. Uh-huh. But um, I I think my body's slowing down just a little bit. But yeah, I I do miss the army (laughs) a lot, mostly because of the people.
0: Wow. That's interesting. Um, You know, like, okay, so why, you know, maybe it's different. But like, you know, I hear guys that have enlisted and stuff, and then they come out and like, they have like, or they tell like really terrible stories of their experience in the army. Why is that? Mm -hmm. Do you know?
1: No, everyone has their own story. I don't yeah. want to speak for them. But yeah. I know, speaking for myself, I had a uh, great leadership top down, mm. I had great NCOs that I got to work with. Um, and I had great mentors who really took me under their wings and helped me develop as a man as a leader, uh, even as a Christian, in some sense. Um, and I was just blessed to really have really good teammates uh, throughout my military career. Now, don't get me wrong, there were days where things weren't all sunny and rosy and and all perfect. There were days where uh, we had to hit a deadline and there were times where, you know, the the enemy was shooting mortar attacks on us and we were bunkered down the entire time. when we're in Afghanistan and sea ramps were going off left and right. And we couldn't get any sleep and things like that. But to answer your question, um, I hear stories of soldiers who did not have a great military experience quite a bit also. And every time I do hear stuff like that, my heart breaks because the greatest recruiting tool for the United States military are the people are the soldiers. And when the soldiers don't have a great experience, they're telling that to other people. Also Um, I try and be the opposite where uh, very generally. And from the bottom of my heart, I had a great experience and I want to share that to other people. And I hope they give the the military a chance because it's provided so many opportunities for me. It gave me a free education, a bachelor's of science and a master's degree and it's opened the doors to uh, meeting great people. It's allowed me to travel the world. It's allowed me to go to so many different places. And most importantly, it's kind of led me to to this job that I'm at right now, which is yeah. like kind of the, the purpose of this uh, this podcast. Yeah, and sorry.
0: No, 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 no. I got no, no, away. No. <laughs> I, uh,
1: I love I love my time in the military. Um, mm. And I don't know why they didn't have one, but I know for me, speaking for myself only, of course. I was just very lucky, very blessed, I think.
0: Yeah. Um, I'm definitely going to get back to the podcast topic. Um, but if you don't mind me asking one more question. Um, no, about of course. Your I'm, I'm an open book.
1: I'm an open book Thanks. on what, what I can't share without going into TS type stuff.
0: No, I appreciate it. Because, you know, I have had people reach out to me. And I think I mentioned it to you before um, about, like, being interested in joining the military. And if I would have somebody on Um that had experience but i have i know people but they're currently in active duty so they did not feel Mm -hmm. comfortable coming on and sharing their time um Mm -hmm. but all that to say um you know during your time in afghanistan you mentioned you know there were times where yeah their enemy was you know at bay and you were right there just trying to do your best to what i'm assuming is stay alive um what (laughs) what what is that experience like like I mean, I, I would imagine even your unit, too. Like, I'm sure that would bring you guys closer together. You know, you guys are doing this together and making sure each other stays alive. Um, but, like, emotionally, physically, um, yeah. Can you take me there a little bit?
1: Yeah. So I completely understand why some of your active duty friends can't go into – uh into specifics, I'm trying to be very careful what I can share also, but my role in the military was a public affairs officer. So everything that I know was already out in the public, essentially, Uh, hence the name public affairs. Um, It's already out in the public. So to answer your question, yeah, when I was in Afghanistan, there were times when um, we would get a lot of mortar attacks, but I don't want to mislead your audience by any means. I went to Afghanistan in 2016 in support of Operation Freedom Sentinel. By this time, this is when President Obama was our commander in chief. We had no missions outside the wire. Uh, Everything was TAA. So to explain that a little further, TAA means train, advise, assist. Our mission was to hand everything over to the local populace and to the Afghan militaries, um, Afghan local police officers, and the Afghan uh, National Security Force, and our NATO allies. The U.S. was trying to drop back. We were trying to pull out at the time. Obviously, uh, if you guys follow current events, 2016, okay. that was a very, very long time ago. And we just recently pulled out. So um, without getting into politics again, uh, everything was kind of kind of messed up at that time. And we had no missions outside the wire. So essentially, yeah. to use an analogy that your audience would understand, if we're all playing tag uh, and someone, let's say, tags us, Inside a certain radius, mm-hmm. we can't go tag them if they go outside that radius. I see. So if they ran back outside that radius, we had no choice because of our regulations in place. We cannot go chase them or we cannot go tag them, quote unquote, outside. So we were essentially kind of bunkered down in Bagram. And if you think of Bagram, it's this long, long runway. I'm trying to uh, paint this picture for your audience. Long runway, think Hartsfield. That's surrounded by mountains on three sides. So uh, it's very, very beautiful. I think people have this misconception that Afghanistan is like just ugly and all deserts and stuff like that. And I mean, there are parts of it that are like that, but there are certain parts of Afghanistan that's absolutely beautiful. Mm-hmm. So if you've ever been to De- um, Denver or Salt Lake City, that's kind of what I'm envisioning. Oh, wow. snowcapped Mountains, very white, pristine mountains uh, that just like scale up a lot. And then this like empty runway with a lot of different like military stuff around it. So, th- to paint a picture, that's what Bagram looks like. Wow. We were stuck there for about nine months. Now, you use the term stuck kind of loosely. Uh, my mission, I got to go to Kandahar, I got to go to Fob Dante, uh, Fob Gentry, some other places. Uh, but to answer your question, after painting this picture, um, what we did there was essentially train and try to give them the confidence and the equipment necessary to patrol their own people and to win their own war. We were trying to do that. Mm. Again, that was 2016. Mm. Uh, We see what's happened just this past year. I know we just turned the calendar year to 2022, everything that happened in 2021. Um, I won't go into too many details, and I don't want to get in trouble by saying something perhaps that I shouldn't, but that's kind of what we did there.
0: I see. I see. Wow. Okay, I shouldn't say anything either then. No, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you when I can't answer anything. Uh, no, no, no. Um, thank you for sharing that, Phil. I really, again, really appreciate it and your transparency. Um, So after you uh, leave active du- duty and you go to the reserves, uh, what does mm-hmm. the reserves look like?
1: Yeah, so the reserves... <sighs> Blair, this is such a good question. Um, I think this is very important for your uh, for your audience, especially those who want to join the military, especially the reserve component need to mm-hmm. hear. Me, personally, I had a very hard time balancing everything. Uh, I had a civilian job. I was working at Home Depot at the time as an account executive, and then I moved over to a new job. All the meanwhile, I was trying to balance time with friends and family. Um, I was trying to balance you know, my own personal social life. I was trying to balance my military duties at the same time. Uh, the thing that most people don't understand with the reserve component, if you're an officer and if you're a high-ranking NCO, is you have to do everything that the active duty does on your own time with one battle assembly or one weekend, essentially. So all the paperwork and all the administrative stuff that active duty has essentially 30 days to do at any point in time, I had to figure out a way to do that for my unit. Uh, in one weekend's time or on their own personal time. Uh, We also have to consider that not all these soldiers are uh, extremely well off or that they don't have the resources. So sometimes they don't have a computer or sometimes they don't have the security clearance or sometimes they don't have the network capabilities to log on to uh, some of these top secret or TS uh, sites that we need to get into. So it's it's a hodgepodge of trying to get very creative, trying to figure out a way to problem solve, to ensure that we accomplish the mission. Uh, but I, I found it very difficult to balance everything because, again, the reason that I got out of active duty or that I got out of the Army was spend time with family, make it to these events that I kept missing because of the Army. I found myself still missing these events. Um, I, I just had a very difficult time. And Blair, you know me. I have a very hard time saying no to anyone. If I have the capacity, if I have the fortitude to do it, uh, if someone needs help with something, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say, yes, I can help you or I'm going to attend that event. Uh, And that's something that I really struggled with because I was just burnt out at work and I was burnt out with the military and I wasn't the best friend. I wasn't the best brother. I was just doing everything kind of halfway and I wasn't doing everything at 100% and it was just weighing on me.
0: Mm. Wow, that's interesting that I you know I just assumed the reserves like it would just be easier but
1: Uh, I did too (laughs) (laughs) I thought it'd be like just easy going it's just one week in a month two weeks out of the year but uh, it was so much harder for me and again maybe it was me personally just because as an officer right you're in charge of like this 30-man unit and so on and so forth that's crazy
0: that's crazy yeah I mean being at the top is not an easy thing. You know, it's also mm-hmm. a very lonely thing, but that's another conversation. But anyways, <laughs> um, um, okay, so like, you know, you mentioned you're working at Home Depot um, as an account mm-hmm. executive. Is that what you said? Correct. Yep. Um, like, so you've kind of always been in this business world, it sounds like, like working yeah. with numbers and things like that. I'll
1: be the first to admit I'm not a strong numbers person. I'm not a quantitative person. Okay. Um, I much prefer presenting and doing the due diligence and research behind things and really creating the story behind them. So I worked at the Home Depot by way of an acquisition. Home Depot bought a company called Interline Brands, and then that's how I worked at the Home Depot. And I've mm-hmm. always had this fascination with Atlanta-based headquarters. So okay. Coca-Cola, Chick-fil-A, Delta, uh, obviously Depot. Papa John's now, Home Depot, <laughs> like anything Atlanta I'm very passionate about. Uh, some of my friends were giving me a hard time. Nicole is giving me a hard time about my tattoo that has, like, Georgia on it. And they were saying, like, Phil is an ambassador for Atlanta. And, uh, I mean, they're not wrong. I love the city. Anytime my college buddies and I get together. I'm always trying to one up them in whatever state they're from yeah. and stuff like that. <laughs> I'm just very passionate about our state. I love, I, it. Love, I love Georgia. I love Atlanta. I, I think we're we've got low in, uh, low income taxes. We've got great schools, beautiful houses, good bang for your buck. We have four seasons. We're only a few hours away from the beach, from the mountains. I just love everything about Atlanta except for our traffic.
0: Holy crap! I so, thought I loved Atlanta, but you really loved
1: it. Hey, <laughs> y'all we come move the to A. Atlanta, okay? <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: the place to be. Phil says so.
1: <laughs> Let's go! Hey, we won the World Series. That's, CJ's about to win the national championship.
0: Hey, we please, got. Please Lord, go. please God. <laughs> but um, uh, what were they saying? Oh yes, okay. So, but by what I want to know is then like with all of that and being in the reserves and the military and all these things, like how did you, I mean, have you always been in strategy? I know right before this, you were at UPS, right? Before Papa John?
1: So um, this is actually a perfect segue and I'm actually really glad that you asked me everything about the military because it perfectly segues to the next chapter of my life, if you Mm -hmm. will. So when I was in the reserve, I still got caught up to active duty missions uh, quite a few times. So, um after afghanistan i came back i went to the reserve and then i got asked to join this special mission um and this is when uh president trump was in office as our commander-in-chief and we thought we were going to go to war with north korea this is 2018 time frame if you remember everything that was going on there so geopolitically everything was going on and um Yeah, we thought North Korea was the thing to do or the next frontier, the next war. And we were already in Iraq and Afghanistan and Syria, um, parts of different other places. But we had to start getting ready for North Korea because they had all these nuclear attacks and Kim Jong-un was doing things and saying things and he was kind of being provocative towards Taiwan and South Korea and Japan. Um, And essentially, to summarize, uh, we had to get ready for Uh, what we thought was a war with North Korea. So um, I got caught up for a special mission at Fort McCoy, Wisconsin. Uh, Wisconsin, obviously, is very cold weather. The terrain is what we thought would emulate North Korean uh, terrain also, or South Korean terrain, or Taiwan terrain, or things like that. Uh, So my mission there was to train Army Reserve soldiers uh, for, I'm trying to be very careful with my words, train them with the equipment that they would use and the ammunition that they would use uh, if we were to go go to war with North Korea. I'm trying not <laughs> to use a three. I'm trying not to use a three letter word just in case you don't want me to use it. Um, that like makes a sound like pew pew pew.
0: <laughs> oh okay. <laughs> yeah, um, it's okay. You can use that word, but um... okay you're talking about a gun yeah (laughs) okay um no my my face and like i'm i'm just so like amazed by the situation (laughs) okay so okay um before we get back into what we're supposed to be talking about um the reason i'm like so into this conversation right now is because anyone that really knows me i'm actually like Uh, very american and i love america and i love the military i love organized things that Mm -hmm. have a goal and like it's just like there's so much passion behind it that's why i like you know team sports and like i love the military and like things like that and so right and like i love i love when it's like efficient right like i Mm -hmm. i love when things are planned and then you do some you're actively doing something about it to reach a goal so like this what you're talking about I'm like wow that's so <laughs> cool
1: <laughs> I'm making it sound really cool but like all my buddies if they listen to this they're gonna be uh, like dude everyone's gonna think like x y and z but really you didn't do anything <laughs> they're gonna give me such a hard time okay that's, so that's just the way guys are you know okay, we always give each other time. all
0: that to say your time in Wisconsin was kind of like uh, you're saying is a good segue, right? To like, yes, being a strategist. So after that time, like, so not. I mean, we didn't go to war, um, mm-hmm. but how long were you in Wisconsin?
1: Uh, I was there for about six months, <gasps> and then That's I got caught time. up to Fort Meade, and so then so you the just had to drop everything. Uh, well, yes and no. They gave me a heads up, so I got caught up by uh, one of my mentors in Afghanistan. Okay. So essentially, uh, to use a football analogy that you might understand, when Kirby Smart got the UGA job, he wanted to bring in his own coaches, his own staff, right? right, right. Because he trusts them and they know him. He knows them. Same thing in the military. When a commander gets appointed a position, he's going to bring in his own staff, someone they trust, someone he really, someone he or she uh, really can depend on. And the same thing happened for Operation Cold Steel too. That's the the mission that we're on. Wow. Operation Cold Steel 2 was this, the largest Army Reserve gunfire uh, exercise in the US Army Reserve history. And they needed an HHC commander. So my commander hired someone, and that person he hired asked me to come a- aboard because he trusted me. And I was made the HHC commander. And that's really where I kind of learned a lot of strategy, how to think ahead, how to think uh, succession planning. Um, just everything that kind of goes along with strategy from a military side.
0: Uh-huh. And
1: then I guess we did, and I'm trying to not sound like, uh, very cocky, but I'm trying to sound very humble, but we did a good job. Uh, we got a lot of recognition and I got caught up to Fort Meade, uh, Maryland, where I went to PAQC, public affairs qualification course. Uh-huh. And then from there, uh, we got a little bit of experience at the Pentagon,
0: Ooh. um,
1: And for those who don't know, Pentagon is the ultimate military strategy think tank or uh, military, I guess, headquarters, if you will. Um, As a captain, I was very, very low, even though I was a military officer. Um, But it was such a tremendous learning opportunity, and I just try to absorb everything. And that's really where I got my experience thinking about the South China Sea, thinking about um, how to say things, what not to say, um, things like that.
0: Wow. Wow. So uh, just to reiterate, what you're saying is, you know, you mentioned like you guys did a good job, right? And are you um, saying that because of your ability to kind of think ahead and plan and strategize is what helped get you to where you eventually ended up, like places like the Pentagon?
1: Yeah, so uh, just for clarification, I don't think I did a good job. I think my team did a phenomenal job.
0: Oh, Phil, I don't don't want to
1: take the credit. (laughs) Uh, It was all them. I wouldn't have been anywhere near as successful without them. But to answer your original question, I do think the lessons that we've learned from Operation Cold SEAL 2 helped us tremendously to ensure that we were ready to fight tonight in case we had to go to war with North Korea. And that helped tremendously uh, in our future planning for future military state of wars and military strategy thinking yes amazing.
0: Correct. okay so all of your experience really is not from school it's from the military
1: yeah i'll be honest with you and i i was doing a little bit of studying for this podcast before uh, i listened to some of the other podcasts and you've had some amazing have, uh, guests yeah. in the past i hope i can just live up to half their half their excitement and half their interest um I, I think a uh, general consensus that I've heard from a lot of them, and I, I was listening to David's also, was I don't know how much I retained from school. Mm. College taught me how to think mm. and where to find resources. I don't, I can't retain or remember, you know, what I learned in in biology one hundred three right, or right. health service administration five hundred one, and you know, anything like that. Like maybe I remember a teacher, or I remember a lot of my classmates uh, loved. The people at college, I can't remember the specifics, but college taught me how to think. Mm. The experiences that I've gotten from a job and then from the military have led me to where I am today. Mm. And by no means am I saying I did everything right. I've made a lot of mistakes along the way. Uh, Some worse than others, but uh, thankfully, nothing too catastrophic. Um, But I like to think, and I'm always a half-class full kind of guy, um, it's led me to where I am at right now. Mm. Um, and so I don't regret them, if that makes any sense.
0: No, it makes perfect sense. That's awesome. Um, so your current job as a stra- um, senior strategist at Papa John's, um, is there anything that, or what do you like the least about your job?
1: You know, I don't know if there's anything I don't like. Um, I love what I do. And Nicole and I were kind of joking about this. Uh, I was asking her the car to ask me really tough questions and Uh then she asked me this question Uh and i was like yeah there's nothing i don't like the only thing if i have to share something just for the sake of answering there are times where i have to work 60 70 80 hours a week um Uh so usually there's something pressing or a deadline coming up or uh the board of directors really want to get an update on a certain project and we just don't have all the information so you know, there's, there's a scramble to get things done. There's a sprint that we need to get done. That's the only thing I would dislike. Mm-hmm. But even in those hardworking hours and hardworking days and nights sometimes, there's something fun about it too, because I think there's a challenge. And again, to think a little bit differently, um, there's a beauty in things that are not easy. Uh, one of the quotes that I've always heard from one of my mentors is, if it was easy, then everyone would do it. Uh, and I've always kind of embraced that. If it was easy, then everyone would jump on the project. But most times, people shy away from very difficult things. Mm. Uh, so yeah, I, to answer your question, the only thing I don't like is how difficult some of the hours are sometimes.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, something that came to mind as you were, ex- you were saying that answer was, um, I should have asked you this at the top of the interview, but I, it slipped my mind. Um, like, could you take me through like a typical... I don't know like process of strategy like because so say there's like um I mean I guess you told me that the the goal is always similar right like you want to find the the best way to be the best mm-hmm. and ahead of everybody else but Correct. like where did like so let's take the drone project for example like mm-hmm. where did that like uh come from like how did it come to fruition like where did it start someone had an idea and then you just start talking about it or
1: yeah, that's, that's a fantastic question. Um, I don't know exactly how it happened at Papa John's, uh-huh. but I know there were synergies coming down from uh, our board of directors, uh-huh. which, of course, they um, they get reported from our C-suites, our senior-level executives. So Rob Lynch, our CEO, and Marvin Boyacki, our, our chief diversity officer, and Max Wetzel, our chief marketing officer. Um, they already had that in their mind. Our strategy team was already thinking about it because our competitors were doing it. Um, and we saw so many others trying to look into the foray and look into the future of what uh, what drone deliveries would look like. To answer your question, how did it come about? Uh, it's something that we were all discussing. Uh, who came up with the idea first? I'm not entirely sure. But anything in strategy, if we have a new idea, it might be coming from the top down or it might be coming from our team we do our due diligence, we do our research, we do our market analysis, and then we send it up to our C-suites, to our chief people officers. And then from there, if they liked the idea, they would report it up to the board of directors. So really our job is really a lot of synergies between uh, senior level executives, uh, thinking what they're thinking, understanding what they want to do in the future, and how do we go about executing whatever that is.
0: Got it. And so your job really is to... Um... Take the ideas, see if it's possible, do the due diligence, the research, and then um, report back is what you're saying.
1: Correct. Yep. Awesome. And then communicate that down all the way down to everyone in the business unit level Uh or Uh communicate that out or help coach communicate that out to uh, external players also.
0: Oh. This is cool. Do you happen to know your Myers-Briggs personality test?
1: Yeah, it's uh, ENTJ, I want to say.
0: Oh, that seems spot on. That seems right on. Like, Because I, I really like Myers-Briggs, but that seems mm-hmm. pretty spot on for your job.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's funny that you asked that. We were just talking about Myers-Briggs personality test today. Oh, really? And, um, yeah, everyone on our team is E we have to be E's because we present so much uh-huh. to different teams and to our senior level executives. I'm not saying introverted people can't present, oh, yes, but so. mm-hmm. um, there's just so much conversation that has to take place uh, naturally and enthusiastically with them. Uh, so, yeah, I think everyone on our team is definitely an E. Uh-huh. Uh, my boss, who's a former McKinsey guy, very vocal about being uh, uh, ENFJ, I want to say he ENFJ. is. So, yeah. But you'll find that McKinsey people are very proud of whatever they are. They're they're so proud (laughs) about everything.
0: That's funny. Um, Okay, so I asked you what you like least. What do you like most about what you do?
1: Yeah, I love this question, actually. So let me take a quick second to think about this. What I love most about my job, you know, it's very exciting as a strategy consultant to be able to map out the company's Uh, future three to five years out and what that means in this changing environment with so much changing technology and uh, geopolitics coming into play almost on a daily basis there's a true challenge to that but that's a lot of fun Mm -hmm. what's exciting to me and what I like most about it at Papa John's is in this company's about 40 year history they've never had a strategy or transformation office so we're really and my team of Rob Andrew and I uh, we're really setting I guess a trailblazing path to new processes and a uh, new innovative way of thinking and new processes really. Um, and people come up to us and, you know, we get complimented quite a bit on, wow, I can't believe we've never done this in the past. Mm. And to us, we think it's just ludicrous that they've never had a process in the past. Uh, just because, you know, it's Papa John's. It's a fairly big company.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so the fact that we get to set the way, the tone, um, the cadence, and really the process of essentially everything from supply chain to the way our meetings are run, to uh, succession planning, anything HR, marketing, uh, finance related, we're just kind of rewriting the entire playbook. So there's there's something really fun about that right
0: now. Yeah, that sounds really exciting. Um, not for me, personally, but, it's, <laughs> <laughs> but it sounds like something um, a lot of people would enjoy. Um, that's really cool. Um well we're coming up on our hour together and I don't want to take up too much of your time Phil but I usually end uh my conversations with people with any advice like do you have any advice for somebody that maybe is listening right now and have maybe has never heard of this job before or any life advice at all or both
1: mm, Yeah that's <laughs> that's such a good question and I can probably teach a PhD level course on what not to do in life just because I made so many mistakes (laughs) in life. So I just want to preface by saying, uh, by no ways did I do everything right in life. Mm. But, um, like I mentioned earlier, I don't think if I had to do life over again, I would change anything because I'm very happy, uh, very blessed where, where I'm at today. Um, all that to say, I guess if I had to give advice, um, I, I'm I'm thinking back to the students that I, I'm fortunate enough to mentor at uh, Emory and UGA. And uh, the biggest advice I always tell these students is to to be intellectually curious, to read daily. And just if you disagree with some something or someone, take a step back and don't try and correct that person. Uh, just try and put yourself in their shoes to try and understand uh, why they think the way they do. Um, and again, I'm not trying to get political, but the best case in point is uh, how divided our country is right now. Mm -hmm. And everywhere I see people just continue to attack each other on things that quite frankly, aren't necessarily important on our everyday lives. Um, I get it if you're very passionate about it, but uh, what I tell these guys is if you're able to read things from the other side, or if you're able to just be curious about why they are passionate about this way or that way, um, it helps us kind of, meet in the middle a little bit more. And in a time when our country is so divided, I think that's something that we're sorely, sorely missing. Mm. Um, So my first piece of advice would be just uh, listen more, be intellectually curious, and just try and be more understanding. Um, To piggyback off some of the conversations that you and I were having about the United States military and how passionate you are about being an American and stuff like that, by no means am I an advocate saying that we are the best country. Uh, I, I I'll be the first to admit that there is a lot that our country and the people of the United States need to fix uh, first. But I truly believe that we are a country that stands for good morals and freedom. Um, and that's the reason I joined the military in the first place. Uh, everything that this country has given back to me and to my family uh, I'm very passionate about that. I will not waver in thinking that uh, what this country stands for is truly for good. That there's a reason why so many people are immigrating into the United States as opposed to leaving, uh, despite what the media might be saying, despite what all the nasty headlines are saying. People are immigrating into the United States in search of a better life. And to tie this back into the purpose of your podcast, which I I, I love the mission of what you're trying to do to give an avenue. Um, to your students of what opportunities are out there. If you put the hard work in there and you you do things right, I think you can make it in this country. I, I don't think, I know you will make it in this country. Um, I still believe that if you work hard and you stand for the right things and you do things the right way with a little patience and perseverance, you will make it in this country. And I really want to hit home and resonate that message because I believe in this podcast. I I love what you're trying to do. And I believe in everything that this country offers. Um, And then I'll just uh, end with my last piece of advice. Again, I'm a half glass full kind of guy. I try and celebrate the little things in life, uh, no matter how small they are. Uh, My mom passed away at a very early age, at the age of 56. So it really struck home to me and my brother. uh, And we were very close to my mom, uh, just how short life is and how fragile life is. So my last piece of advice is uh, enjoy life and celebrate life's little moments. Mm. Um, life's too short to care about the small things that may take us off and uh, might derail our entire day. If you did a good job on a project, celebrate that. Um, if you you know get on base three times in a softball game, celebrate it. If your team won, if UGA wins, celebrate. Like That's huge. When the Braves won, me and my brother went to almost every game. Uh, cause we just didn't know when, when that experience might come back for us, uh, all that to say life is too short, celebrate life, celebrate small accomplishments, definitely celebrate big accomplishments, celebrate them with your friends and your family. Uh, life's just, it's meant to be fun and life's a little bit more fun when, uh, when you get to celebrate those things. So to tie all those things together, I mean, if any of you guys listening out there, you guys got a job in strategy consulting, Hey, call me up and we'll celebrate life together.
0: I could not have asked for a better answer. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow, that's really uh, great advice even for myself. Um, thank you for reminding me of so many things that I need to do uh, just just as a stay-at-home mom, right? Like, even as you're talking about how, you know, taking a step back in the very first piece of advice that you, that you gave, like, of, uh, where other people are coming from, mm-hmm. um, that... i'm I'm even thinking of my own children like like, yes (laughs) i need to understand them but um but yeah and and, um i'm sorry about your mom i actually i think i did know this but um yeah i'm sorry about that oh no thank
1: you thank you for saying that uh i'm very open about it i try and be strong for everyone
0: yeah um
1: i don't i don't get sad on like her birthdays or anniversaries or anything Uh i try and do something like positive so Um, and you may have seen it on my Instagram I'll try and like run 11.2 yeah you ran or like I'll like on her birthday her birthday was September 18th I'll Mm -hmm. do like a nine mile 9.18 mile ruck march and it's pretty cool to see like some friends like when they see that they're like dude I'm gonna do that too I was like man that's awesome let's go let's celebrate that
0: yeah that's amazing and um I love yes life is tomorrow is not promised to anybody and Mm -hmm. um I think we definitely, it's definitely during these times, get caught up in like social media and like yeah. what we think we should be, or mm-hmm. what we, things we should look like, should like or strive for, and we forget to just be faithful in the things that we currently have right now. Yeah. Um, and so, um, thank you, Phil. Thank you so much uh, for no. Tonight. Thank you for having me. Yeah. This
1: has been a lot of fun, actually, Blair. Good, um,
0: I'm so glad.
1: Yeah, no, I had a, I had a blast. I was over here like studying my notes right before this. I was during my work hours. I was asking for advice uh, from my boss, like, "Hey, have you ever oh done a God. podcast?" And he was like, "What? No." And then he was making fun of me. He's like, "You know, if you were good looking, you'd be on TV. But because you're not good looking, uh, they ask you to be on podcast." No! <laughs> No, <laughs> <And> I... <laughs> I thought that was so funny, but um, um, that's just the way we are. We just joke each with each other all the yeah. time. I love it. But I, I enjoyed this. I love doing this. And especially for the mission that you have to provide, I guess, new opportunities or new job avenues uh, for your students who they might not know what they want. I think this is really cool what you're doing
0: thanks I appreciate you saying that it means a lot to me Phil and I uh, again I'm just so honored by your time tonight and I um, you know and even to speak to the point where you said you know I you believe that if you work hard and do what's right um, you, there are so many opportunities that you can achieve right mm-hmm. it's not impossible and I think uh, you hit it right on the mark for me um, that is my heart too right like I, I do this because um it is not impossible to, to dream big, and yeah. and go for the things that you want to go for. Um, you know, you you mentioned you weren't Ivy League. A lot, a lot of us aren't. You know, and mm-hmm. I think our parents expect it, expect us to be, especially if you're first gen, second gen, a Korean or Asian American, and um, that. Um, does not mean a lot a lot if we're like you know we're in our 30s now and it's like (laughs) you know we're like who cares where you go into college you know you know what i mean but i mean it matters don't guys it matters go to college
1: (laughs) yes go to college (laughs) yes
0: but i mean at the end of the day right like you know whatever it is that you love and are passionate about if you put in the work and you do the time, you take the time and and do what is right. I I mean I just love that. It's it is totally doable. Um, well said,
1: Blair. I love yeah. it. That's you said it so perfectly. No. You use like 10, 10 words. I have to use like 50 words to say no, no, what no, you just but, trusted, what you just said.
0: <laughs> but um um Yeah. I mean, I just, this is, this has been wonderful. So thank you again. Hey, you guys, if you heard it here, Phil is totally um, open to having a chat with you. If you're interested in learning more about what he does. Um, And he's actually really just a great person to talk to and great person to know. So I'm sure he'll be open.
1: (laughs) Hey guys, I paid Blair to say that.
0: (laughs) Um, but if you if you want to get connected with Phil, please reach out to me through social media. You can DM me at um, my Instagram or any of my platforms, or you can email me at, podcast, at gmail.com. Thanks so much again, Phil. Until next time. Bye.
1: Thanks, Blair. Bye.